again. My name is Pastor Micah. So glad you're here worshiping with us today. Uh, our ushers are coming now to collect your tithes and offerings, but we're going to go ahead and jump right into God's Word together today while we're doing this, right? We, we want to keep things rolling here. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab that. If you're a guest or visitor with us, maybe you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's totally cool. We've got some black uh, hardback ones on the floor underneath the chairs around you. You can grab one of those and use that to follow along if you need to. Um, that would be great too. So uh, we have been in this series called Upside Down Kingdom um, out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is all about Jesus teaching his disciples how to follow him and how to be citizens of his kingdom first and whatever else country or kingdom they live in second, right? And a lot of times when God calls us into his kingdom and to follow him, that looks very differently, sometimes the exact opposite of what our culture calls us to. It oftentimes make us, makes us look like we're upside down in the way that we're living. And so um, this is kind of what we've been kind of diving into and we're kind of uh, a ways in. Now we're in chapter six. So if you're new with us, that's okay. You can, you can jump right in today. We won't leave you behind, I promise. Uh, but this little mini series inside this uh, bigger series, we've been calling Servant of the King. Because Jesus is now talking to us not about how to necessarily do this or do that or follow here or follow here. He's saying, listen, stay away from these things. If you want to be a good servant, if you want to be a good follower, if you really want to make a difference in the kingdom, you need to, you need to be careful of these potholes, if you will. And uh, so today he's going to hit us up on the topic of prayer. Um, so I've entitled the message today, Speak from the Heart to the King. And that's what prayer is really about. Prayer is about connecting our hearts to God's heart. It's about communication. It's about drawing closer to the Lord and and. When we do that, he wants to hear from our hearts, not just our heads or not just uh, what we've rehearsed. Or, and sometimes I think as adults, sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? Can we, just, can we be honest in church today? Is that okay? Is honesty in church okay? Is that good? Are we good with that today? Sometimes we as adults, we struggle to talk from our hearts. We, we struggle to be honest and to speak from the heart because we've, 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 we've had some experiences right? We've, we've had some hurts. We've had some people uh, do us wrong. We've had some people um, take what we said and use it against us or go and tell so-and-so. And so we start to put up these walls and these barriers, and it's not always easy for us to speak from the heart, even with God. But somehow kids intuitively do this so much better than us. Have you noticed that? Like kids can just totally do this because they're not worried, they're not scared about what they're going to think or what somebody's going to say. They're just talking to somebody that they love and somebody who loves them back. And so they're, they're just like really good at this prayer thing. And so there's this story about a lady who once she took her children to this restaurant to eat. And her six-year-old asked if he could pray over the meal. And she was like, sure, that'd be great. And so here, here was his prayer. He said, God is good. God is great. Thank you for the food. I would even thank you more if mom gets us ice cream for dessert. And liberty and justice for all, amen. <laughs> and of course, the people around the table kind of, you know, the, the, the people seeing around them kind of did the same thing we just did. You kind of laugh a little bit, it's cute. But there was this one lady who got really upset. And she speaks up and she says, well, that's what's wrong with this country. Kids don't know how to pray right. And, and well, what are you doing praying for ice cream? God doesn't want to hear about ice cream. Like, I've never heard anything like that before. And the little boy kind of gets teared up and looks at his mom and he's like, is God mad? Did I do it wrong? And she's like, no, no, you didn't do it wrong. You're fine. She brings him close and she's comforting him and trying to, to fix the situ situation. And about that time, an older gentleman kind of walks up to the table and he kneels down to the boy and he says, I happen to know that God loved that prayer. And the little boy said, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, God wanted to hear exactly what you had to say. And sometimes a little ice cream is good for the soul. I thought I'd get a bigger amen on that one, okay? Maybe it's just around our house, ice cream's good for the soul. But, so they do the dinner, they come to the end, and of course, at this point, mom has to buy them ice cream. Like, there's no out on this one, right? So she buys the ice cream, the ice cream comes, the little boy gets his ice cream, he just kind of sits there and he just stares at it for a little bit. And he gets up and he grabs the ice cream and he walks over to the table of the lady who said the first comment that started the whole fiasco, and he hands her the ice cream. He says, here, this is for you. I heard that sometimes ice cream is good for the soul. And my soul's good already. <laughs> and he walked away, right? Only from the mouth of babes, right? Like they can say stuff. Do they just speak from the heart? And that's what God wants us to do. 
He wants to hear from his children. He wants us to speak from the heart to him in a way that's real and true and, and speaking to him as if we were speaking to our father, someone that we love, someone that we long to be close to. Not trying to impress anybody, just communicating. That's how Jesus is teaching us here to pray in this passage. We need to pray to build a relationship, not a reputation. Pray to build a relationship, not a reputation. That's what Jesus is calling to. That's what God's heart for prayer is, is it would draw us closer to him. So with that in mind, let's take a look at chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5 this morning. It says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He goes on, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now there's a lot in there about prayer. Um, and we're going to try to do this in one message. So we'll be done in about three hours. Okay? Um, now, we're, we're going to take a little bit different approach this morning. We're not going to just go, like, you know, we usually kind of go word by word, verse by verse, just kind of walking through it. I'm going to take the whole passage and pull out the main themes that Jesus is hitting on here and kind of group them together to give you an overall picture of Jesus' purpose in prayer this morning. But before we can really dive into that, we have to ask the question that so many people ask, Christians and non-Christians, which is, why should I pray? Right? Like, if Jesus is telling me to pray, why would I do that? Why, does, why is this something I should make a priority in my life? Why is this something I should invest my time and energy into? Like, why, why should I pray? Well, the first thing is this. As I said, the purpose of prayer is that prayer draws me closer to God. That's, that's the whole reason we pray. That's the reason we go after prayers, because it draws me closer to Him. It connects me with my God. Communication is required for any relationship, okay? If you're going to grow in a relationship with somebody, you're going to have to communicate. You're going to have to talk, whether that be, uh, you know, a, a, a child and a parent, whether that be co-workers, whether that be a marriage, whether that be with God, you have to communicate, right? And it requires ongoing, regular, different types of communication. Courtney and I, in our marriage, we, there's lots of different ways that we tend to communicate, right? We, we text each other, hey, you know, hey, how you doing today? Doing good, all right, don't forget to pick up the milk. And like, get these little text messages going back and forth all day, right? Like, we do that pretty regularly. But if those little one-shot text messages were all we were doing, this relationship wouldn't be very good. Sometimes we also need the, the long, sit-down, lengthy conversations, right? Like, put the kids to bed, sit down on the couch, talk through the stuff that's going on in life or in the world that we're still struggling with. We tend to have a kind of a weekly, informal kind of meetup on like Sunday or Monday night where we kind of talk through the week of this is coming and this is coming and we got to do this. We kind of plan out things together so our life flows well. And then, praise the Lord, sometimes we love our kids, but like we need, to, mommy and daddy need to get away, right? And like they need to be with a sitter and we need to go have dinner and we need to have some time where we get to talk about stuff that's not about them, right? All these different types of communication. God wants us to communicate with him like that. Different forms, different lengths, different types of communication to grow a relationship. That's why he asks us to pray. So if prayer draws me closer to God, how does it do that? What, why is that true? Let, let me show you from the text here some things that Jesus kind of implies or points out and about why prayer is important in drawing us closer to God. So prayer draws me closer through, number one, 
obedience. Obedience. The first thing is, if you notice here in the, in the passage twice, Jesus says, when you pray. Right? Not, not if you pray. Not, hey, you, if you think about pray this way. No, he's like, when you pray. He's expecting you to do it. Right? It's an expectation that Jesus has for his followers. And so if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to pray. As part of just being obedient to our Lord and our Savior. That's the first thing. Obedience draws us closer to him in relationship. The second thing is uh, relationship. He says, when you pray to your father. So automatically he's implying there's a relationship here, father to child. There's a familial relationship here that's supposed to be growing through prayer. And as I said earlier, that's only going to happen through communication. Right? So as I pray, the relationship draws me closer to the Lord. So obedience, relationship number three, through blessing. There's a great promise here in this text. He says, when you pray in secret and we'll get to that in a second, it says God will hear and he will reward you. God promises that if we will talk to him, that he will bless us. He will reward our prayers. In other words, he will answer them. Now, some of you have prayed prayers and you didn't really feel like you ever got the answer you were wanting or hoping for or looking for. Have anybody had that experience before, right? You're like, where, did God, where was God on that one? Like, was God taking a nap that day? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, where was God when I prayed that prayer? Well, there's two ways, two primary ways that God answers prayer. Sometimes he meets the need. Sometimes you pray for something, God, I'm struggling with this, or I'm struggling with that. Hey, we really need this. Can you help us out here? And God just shows up, and he meets the need, and boom, it's taken care of. Right? I hope you've had some of those experiences. Sometimes God meets the needs, but sometimes God meets us in the need. He might not fix the problem. He might not give you what you asked for. Uh, thank goodness sometimes he doesn't give us what we asked for, right? Anybody pray that prayer before and then you get something else? You're like, I'm glad you didn't give me what I asked for the first time because that would have been disastrous. He doesn't always meet the need, but he always meets us in the need. He comes in his presence with us. He strengthens us. He helps us through. He uses it to grow us and to mold us and to shape us more into Jesus Christ. God's answering your prayer even if he's not giving you what you asked for because he's giving you himself in the midst of it. Obedience, relationship, blessing. Number four, prayer draws me closer through alignment. Through alignment. I think it's interesting here. He says, don't pray empty prayers with all these extra words. He said, because God already knows what you need, right? He already knows what you need, which, again, oftentimes God knows better what I need than I know what I need, right? But this leads a lot of people to conclude, okay, well, then what's the point? If God already knows what I need, and he's already going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to answer how he wants to answer, what's the point of me praying? Why am I asking him for anything? It seems like it's a waste, Micah. The point is alignment. It's not about aligning God to your will and your situation and your agenda. Prayer is about aligning your heart to God, to his will, to his agenda. He's trying to get you talking to him about the issue so he can lead you over here to where it's going to be best for you in his perfect will. So notice prayer is not about changing God. It's about changing me and aligning my heart with the Father. Number five is worship. Prayer draws me closer through worship. When he starts his little model prayer here, he starts off, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means holy. It means you are a holy and glorious and awesome God. He starts his prayer with worship, with acknowledging that God's up here and I'm down here and that's the way it should be and because of that, I will worship him. It's about getting proper perspective getting myself low and humble and exalting God for who he is. The last one, prayer draws me closer through power. At the end, he goes off on this little tangent about forgiveness. And he says, if you forgive others, then God will forgive you. And Forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Right? When somebody hurts us, when somebody does something wrong, when somebody you know, violates us in some way, like, it's hard to forgive. It's not our natural inclination. Our heart doesn't automatically run to forgiveness. 
We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about revenge, right? We need supernatural power. We need supernatural help of God in us to help us forgive. And when we pray, whether it be for forgiveness or for anything else, that's what we receive, the supernatural power of God, his power, his grace, his mercy, his victory, his might in us, helping us do exactly what we're praying for. We need God's power in our life, and it only comes through prayer, and it helps us avoid the hypocrisy of, that Jesus is pointing out here when he's talking about prayer. When we're thinking again about communication and building relationships. I was thinking about Courtney and I's relationship and how we kind of came uh, together over time. When we first met, the very first time we met, we were in choir in college. And um, it, was, it was not like a super, like, you know, Disney birds chirping and you meet across the room and the eyes connect and like I, I didn't really care to, to have a relationship with her. She didn't really care to have a relationship with me. We just kind of were in the same class and one time we were sitting beside each other at this concert and we were getting ready to start this song and I didn't know what my note was and I was like, hey, is this my note? She's like, no, this is eh. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, got it. And that was it. That was like the whole conversation, okay? Um, my purpose in asking her that was not to start a relationship right? It was to get a piece of information I needed, right? It was a one-shot, short question, hey, I need this, okay, you told me, okay, now we're moving on. And nothing came of that. That was, that was pretty much the end of it. The next year, we came back to school. We ended up kind of starting to hang out in the same social circle um, with, some, with, uh, with, you know, kind of like friends. And in fact, one of my best friends at the time had a big crush on her. Um, uh, that didn't work out, but that's okay. Um, and so we started hanging out together, and I, I had just uh, picked up the guitar and started kind of trying to, to learn guitar and to lead worship, and, and uh, I found out that she played piano and was very skilled in piano and in singing, and I said, hey, would you mind helping me lead some worship uh, events? And she's like, yeah, sure. And so we started hanging out semi-regularly, practicing music and getting ready for these events and starting to do this kind of thing, and so, so we, we started having more regular conversations, but again, it really wasn't for the purpose of relationship, it was just to achieve a goal, right? Like, you help me with this, and we're going to do this thing together, and we're going to do, we're going to achieve this, and we're going to get this done. But over time, as we spent more and more time together, and I got to know her better, that she, and found that she was, you know, funny, you know, exciting, very uh, kind, God-fearing, God-loving woman, um, I started to change my thoughts about her and my feelings towards her. And I started to find myself wanting to spend more and more time with her. And pretty soon I didn't want to spend time with anybody else more than I wanted to spend time with her. And um, then eventually we started dating and uh, got engaged and got married and, and here we are. It didn't start with the purpose of relationship, but as the communication grew, the relationship grew. Are you tracking with me? Some of you are in one of those stages in your relationship with God when it comes to communication. Some of you are still in the beginning start part where you talk to God occasionally, you'll, you'll do the little one sentence prayers at God occasionally, but it's only when you need something, right? Like if there's really no relationship there, you're just like, hey God, can you help me out with X? Yeah, okay, fine, great, and then you move on. And that's pretty much the end of it. You're just trying to get that one shot answer from God. Some of you talk to him semi-regularly, maybe a couple times a week, um, but it's still mainly focused on, hey, God, I got this thing going on in my life. Can you come over to my place and help me with this thing? Can you, can you meet me here and achieve this goal in my life? It's still trying to get something from God. Jesus here is calling us deeper into a relationship with God. He wants us to come to a point where we're talking with him, not because we need something, not because we want something, but because we want to get to know him better. Because we've come to a point where we love him more than we love anybody else in this life, and we just want to talk with our Heavenly Father. That starts with what we saw here this morning. It starts with you understanding that you are a sinner, that you are broken, and, and, and you are headed to a place called hell, short of being saved from your sin. And coming to the acknowledgement that you can't be the one who saves you. That you don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You, don't, you can't fix it. You can't change it. You can't 
get there on your own. You need somebody to rescue you. And God knew that, and so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to be born a human, to live a perfect, sinless life, to go to the cross and die a sinner's death. To die not for his sins, for our sins. For the sins of all who would believe in him. And he went to the cross and he bore our guilt and our shame and our debt and he went into the grave and three days later he rose back to life to say, hi, I'm here. I'm God. Let me offer you something. Here's forgiveness. Here's grace. Here's love. The love that you've been looking for in that relationship all these years that's never happened, I've got it for you. Let me wash away that sin. Let me cleanse your heart and make you perfect and clean before a heavenly God. And if you'll trust in Jesus Christ alone for that salvation, you will be free from that sin debt forever. And you're promised a home in heaven with God for all eternity. When you get that, you now have a relationship with God where you love him more than anything else and you know that he loves you and all of a sudden this prayer thing becomes a lot easier because you want to talk to him. You want to have communication because this is the person who saved you from sin, who's given you life, who's given you freedom, who's changed you as we heard testimony to this morning in the baptistry. All of a sudden prayer becomes something that just flows from us not something we have to toil in. There was a pastor named Jonathan Edwards. He once said it like this, prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is of life. You can't live without breath, right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't live without prayer. Not spiritually speaking. You can't walk with Jesus, without ongoing communication with him. You need this. Why should I pray? Because prayer connects me to the one I love most. That's why we pray. Now, if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, if you haven't yet trusted in him for salvation, first of all, I would urge you to do that today. There's nothing stopping you. You just have to make that decision to give your life to him. To come underneath his lordship. But if you have done that, or if you do that today, this is what you need. You need prayer to connect you, to grow you in this relationship with the one who now holds your greatest affections. All right, so point number two today is this, don't pray prayers that God hates. That sounds like a good plan, right? Um, we want, we, who wants to stay away from prayers that God hates, okay? See, here's the problem. Prayer is supposed to connect us with God. But there are some prayers, prayers that are prayed with the wrong heart or in the wrong way that actually don't get us closer to God. They actually separate us from God. And here in this passage, Jesus gives us warnings about five different types of prayers that actually separate us from God. Prayers that God does not look favorably upon. Prayers that God hates. So let me give you this list of five prayers that Jesus gives us here so we can make sure that we are staying clear of these today. Prayers that God hates. Number one is stand prayers. He talks about the hypocrites here. He says, they love to stand and pray that they may be seen by men. That's their purpose in praying publicly. Staying in the synagogue, staying on the street corner, staying up and praying in these loud voices. Why are they doing it? They're not praying to talk to God. They're praying to be seen by men, to get praise. They're showing off. Look at me, how I'm so holy and righteous and awesome. And Jesus says, no, you're a hypocrite. Now, just for clarity, Public prayer is not wrong. If you keep reading in the book, Jesus did it, 
The apostles did it. The early church did it. Clearly, public prayer is not wrong. It's wrong when we do it with the motive to get praise and attention from men rather than from God. Okay? When we're grandstanding for people instead of praying with a clean heart unto the Lord. So no grandstand prayers. Number two, telemarketer prayers. You didn't know telemarketers were in Jesus' day, did you? Right here, he says, do not heap up empty phrases. He says, people talking and babbling and going on and on and on, thinking that they're going to be heard for their many words. You know the phone calls I'm talking about, right? Like where you answer the phone, like, hi, I'm John, and blah, 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 blah. And they just keep talking so that you can't even get a word in because they think if they just keep going long enough and long enough and saying enough stuff that eventually you'll give in and just like cave to whatever it is they're trying to sell you or get you to do. They think it's about quantity over quality. It's not about what I'm saying. It's about if I, if I just say enough, then the length of my prayer becomes the lever that I can use to move God's hand. If I say enough stuff, if I pray long enough and keep going, God will feel obligated to answer what I want him to do. I can put God in my debt by continuing to pray these long, crazy prayers. It's kind of like a mob outside of a building with their signs, and they're chanting, and they're chanting, and they're chanting over and over and over and over until they hope that whoever's inside will give in to their demands. That's the kind of prayers that Jesus is talking about here. Now, again, just for clarity, it's not wrong to pray for something repeatedly. It's not wrong to pray for something frequently. Jesus tells us later on in this gospel to persist in prayer. But again, it's the heart. You can't use the length or the number of your prayers, the quantity of your prayers, as a lever to twist God's arm until he does what you want him to do. Not grandstand prayers, not telemarketer prayers. Number three, God hates ritualistic prayers. As he's going through his teaching here, he says, pray like this. And then he goes into what many of us know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, listen, look what he says. Just look at the text. Look at your Bibles right now. Everybody look. He says, pray like this, not pray exactly this. Are you tracking with me? What he's giving us here is a model prayer. He's giving us a a, a skeleton of here's the types of things you should pray for. Here's the way in which you should pray. You don't have to pray these words exactly, but you should pray like this. Now, is it wrong to pray the Lord's Prayer exactly as it's written? No, it's not. Oftentimes, we do that here. We've done that in our worship services before. Okay? It's not wrong to pray the Lord's Prayer, but when I think that I can just recite it word for word over and over and over and over again as a way to please God and earn his favor, now I've gotten into ritualistic praying, not praying from the heart. Again, it's not the words. It's, is it from the heart? And in case we would try to point fingers maybe at other churches or at other denominations and accuse them of ritualistic praying, maybe we need to look at our own hearts as the evangelical church in some of the ways that we do this. Have you ever found yourself praying and you say, hey, Father God, thank you so much for me today, and Father God, please do this, and Father God, please do that, and Father, 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 and you're like, what? Do you talk to somebody like that on, in like real life? Like, hey, Courtney, can you do this? And Courtney, can you do that? And Courtney, You don't do that. You don't say somebody's name like 12 times in a two-minute conversation. But we do this, don't we? Again, if if that's you, man, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just just trying to point out, listen, we're using words as filler. We're becoming ritualistic in what we're doing because it's just what we've always done. Think about the ways that you always open your prayers. Do you always open your prayers exactly the same way? When you pray over your meal at dinner time, do you always do it with the exact same words? When you close your prayers, do you always do it the exact same way? In Jesus' name, amen. Are we supposed to pray in Jesus' name? Yes, we are. But if you're not praying it from the heart, if you're not thinking about what you're saying, I don't know if you've noticed it, oftentimes when I pray here with our church or even on my own, I'll try to change up the way I close my prayers. For me, not for you, so that I know that I'm speaking from the heart to the Lord. Right? Dear Jesus, 
with all your power and all your might. Thank you for your grace. We pray this in your name. Amen. We pray this in the mighty, powerful, awesome name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll change it up just so I, just so I know, hey, I'm still connecting here with the Lord. I'm not just praying something to pray it. Okay? Number four, recruiting prayers. Recruiting prayers. As he's praying his, his model prayer, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my kingdom come, my will be done. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can start praying prayers that the whole goal of the prayer is to recruit God to come over and do our thing. Right? I'm just trying to recruit God's help to fulfill my agenda, to do the thing I want to do, to get my uh, goals met. God isn't looking to bless your agenda. He's looking to move you to his agenda. When we talk about being a vertical church, this is part of it, friends. It's about lining our hearts up vertically with God's heart, not always trying to get him to come down here to our thing. He's not looking for recruiting prayers. And the last one, number five, self-terminating prayers. Self-terminating prayers. He ends his little talk here about prayer, and he, all of a sudden he like turns this corner and starts talking about forgiveness, and it kind of feels out of place. But if you really look at the context of the prayer, it's not. He says, because if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. In other words, if you're praying for something with the, with the, with the, with the intent that that prayer is going to fulfill a need in your life, but then that's the end of it. If it's going to stop with you, if it's going to terminate when it reaches, that blessing reaches you, God's not looking to do that. God's like, you need forgiveness? Great, I'm more than happy to forgive your sins so that you can now turn around, that you know what it's like to be forgiven, and you can forgive someone else. God doesn't bless us and reward us through prayer in order to just be us. He makes us to be a channel of blessing that as he gives it to us, we're giving it out to others. When I ask God for something that I'm not willing to share with others, I sabotage my prayers. These are five prayers that Jesus points out here in his critique of praying. He says, These are not, this is not the way. This is not how God wants to hear from you. There was a little boy one night that was saying his bedtime prayers with his mom. He was kneeling in his bed. His mom was on one side. Grandma was on the other side. And he starts, you know, like a little kid, he starts his, his prayer, you know, God, dear God, thank you for mommy and thank you for daddy and, and you, know, um, you know, keep us safe and let me have a good night's sleep and no nightmares and the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, he like amps it up and he gets really loud. He's like, and God, please remember to get me a bicycle for Christmas. Amen. And his mom's like, what, what are you doing? Like, God's not deaf. He can hear you. It's okay. Like, you don't have to scream at God. He's like, no, but grandma is. Sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes we pray prayers to get things, to achieve things, to move a goal down with maybe other people around us, with whatever, rather than just honestly talking to God the Father. That's not what he's looking for. It's supposed to be connecting us to him. And when we turn it, when we turn prayer to be about us, God stops listening. God rejects prayers that are rooted in me. God rejects prayers that are rooted in me. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us here with just a list of bad prayers. He gives us some criteria. He gives us some direction on how to pray correctly, how to pray prayers that God loves. That's what I want to do. Anybody else want to pray some prayers that God loves? Right? Favor of God flowing into our lives as we're praying the way he's told us to pray in his word. Five prayer essentials 
that if you'll incorporate these five things into your prayer life, I promise you that God will run to those types of prayers. I've done this personally. I've experienced it. I've shared this with others in our church before. They've experienced it. This will up the, the, the intensity, the volume, the, the effectiveness of your prayer life. Number one, get alone. Jesus starts right here, right? He says, when you pray, pray in secret, right? Go in the room, shut the door, just you and God, get alone with God. Again, it's not wrong to pray publicly at times, but the primary place that God wants to hear from you is alone, just you and him. Pastor James McDonald says it this way. He says, the secret to prayer is prayer in secret, If you want to see your prayer life grow and get stronger and draw closer to the Lord, you have to be praying in secret. I'll say it this way. If your public prayer life exceeds your private prayer life, it will be powerless. If you pray more at dinner time or at church or at small group than you pray alone, just you and God, there won't be any power in it. The first thing it has to be is private, alone, you and God. When we pray alone, it increases intimacy with the Lord. We're able to say things to him we can't say other times. He's able to say things to us that we can't hear at other times because we're distracted by everything else. Number two, out loud. This is why it's important for the first one, too. All right? So you're alone, and you don't, everybody thinks you're a crazy person when you're praying out loud for stuff that they shouldn't be hearing. Okay? He says here, don't heap up empty phrases. In other words, don't keep babbling. Um, I think we've all had this experience where you've been alone, you're praying privately to the Lord in your head, right? Like silently in your head you're praying, and dear Lord, thank you for the day, and and, and pray for my wife and watch over her today and the kids and, and give them a good day at school and, and um, I need to pick them up at 3 o'clock and I have to go to the store and pick up bread and milk and blah, 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 blah. And you start going into the to-do list. Come on, don't leave me up here, right? You know what I'm talking about? And we start rambling. Our mind starts to wander, doesn't it? When you're praying out loud, your brain has to focus on the words your lips are saying and it's much harder to wander into empty phrases, into just babbling off words. So if you'll get alone and you'll pray out loud, even even though there's no one else there to hear you, if you'll pray out loud, it will increase your focus. It will increase your focus in prayer. Number three, on your knees. On your knees. Again, he starts his prayer, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will will be done. He's acknowledging that God is bigger and higher and stronger and he's less. The first step to prayer is remembering who you're talking to. Yes, he's God the Father who loves you and wants to be close to you, but he's also the almighty creator of all things who is transcendent and holy and perfect and we are not fit to be in his presence. We need to remember that. We need to remember that he is high and we are low. And one of the best ways to humble your heart in prayer is to humble your posture in prayer. To get low. There's something about getting down on your knees or even laying prostrate on the floor, getting as low as you can before the God of the universe. And when you're praying like that, your heart just automatically comes to this place of humility. The body, the mind, the soul, it's all connected. And your soul will take a cue from your body if you'll get down on your knees. It increases humility. Number four, pray with a list. Pray with a list. Jesus has a list here, right? Give us our daily bread and, you know, uh, forgive us our debts and take away our temptation and help us forgive others. Like, Jesus has got a list he's going off of here. It's good for us to come to the Lord with a list of things that we want to talk to him about, that we want to pray about. We need to come prepared 
when we're talking to the Lord. Not every time you pray. It's okay to have the occasional just kind of like, you know, off the hip prayer. But like your daily time with the Lord where you're meeting with him alone, out loud, on your knees, have a list. When you have a list, it increases your preparedness. You know what you want to pray for. There are some things that I want to pray for every single day. They're that important in my life. I want to pray for my wife. I want to pray for my kids. I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for our finances. I, there are some things I want to pray for every single day. There's other things I pray for more occasionally. But if I have a list, I know. And a list also helps me be more intentional. Because as you come intentional with specific prayer requests that are written down and you have a record of them, in two weeks from now or two months from now or two years from now, God answers that prayer you can be like, look like that, it's on my list right there, right? Like, God's doing his thing. But if we don't know, if they're not on a list, sometimes we forget we even prayed for that, and God never gets the credit for answering the prayer that you prayed for him to answer. Prepared, intentional, it also helps me become expectant. If I really believe that our God is a God that answers prayers, then why wouldn't I come with a big old list of things that I want God to do in my life, in my family, in my church, in my community? Like, I should be coming with a monster list if I believe that God answers prayers. Praying with a list raises the expectancy that my God will answer. Last thing, number five, pray fervently. We need to come to prayer with hearts that are fervently seeking the Lord. This is what Jesus did. Right? Your spiritual life depends on the fervency of your prayer. Worship, power, grace, victory, all of that will flow to your life through fervent prayer. Let me just point out some things about Jesus' prayer life for a second here. In Luke 5.16, we see that Jesus prayed often and regularly. In Mark 135, we see that he prioritized prayer. It says that he got up early while it was still dark and went out to pray. Some of y'all are night owls and you're like, well, Micah, don't bring that up right now, right, please? I don't know about the getting up early thing. Well, here, here's one for you too. Luke 6, 12 says that Jesus prayed all night. You're like, now that's my jam. I can do that. I can stay up late and pray, right? The getting up early thing I don't know about, but I can it doesn't matter when you do it. It just matters, are you making it a priority in your life? Are you prioritizing it like Jesus prioritized it? Jesus was never too busy to pray. Matthew 19, 13, he's got all these little kids trying to come up and talk to him, and, and the disciples are trying to send him away. And he's like, no, no, don't send the kids away. Like, bring them here, man. Like, these are the ones that have the kingdom in their hearts. Let me pray for them. And he stops, and he takes time to pray. Jesus prayed Jesus prayed for big things. Remember the night before he is crucified, he's in the garden, he's on his knees, he's praying before the Father, and he asks him, please, let this cup pass from me. Now, Jesus was God. He knew the answer to that question, didn't he? Did Jesus know? Come on, did Jesus know? Yeah, he knew. He knew this was the only way, but he was so believing in the Father that he was still going to ask one more time. And he didn't just ask once. Jesus persisted in prayer. In that same night, three times he asked the Father, let this cup pass from me. But he was bold, he was persistent, but he was also submissive. Because in the end, what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, the God-man, God in the flesh, if he needed to fervently pray like this, or do we need it? Right? He was God in the flesh, walking around on this earth, and yet he valued prayer so much that he fervently went after it throughout his entire life. We need it too. Having grown up in the church, I've walked um, with Christ for 
many years, and um, I can admit before you today that I have found myself on both sides of prayer. On the selfish side and on the sacrificial side. Um, there have been times where I've prayed for people's salvation. Uh, I remember one time in high school, I was dating this girl who wasn't a Christian, and I kept praying for her to get saved. Honestly, not because I really was that concerned about her soul, but just because she was pretty good looking. I didn't want to have to break up with her if she didn't become a Christian. It was for me. As I've grown, as I've matured, as God's changed my heart, I now pray regularly for the salvation of my kids, for the salvation of people in our church, for our lost family members, for people in our community, and our neighbors. Like, not because of me, but because I want them to get to experience the Jesus that I have. I think about finances. I got out of college. Needed that first job, right? So I could start getting my own place and getting my own car and getting all my stuff in line. I, I needed the money, God. And so I'm praying and praying and praying for a job so I can have the money so I can get my stuff so I can do my thing. Opposed to 10 plus years later, God lays it on our heart to adopt. We find out it's like twenty-five dollars to $30,000 and so we start praying fervently, God, you're going to have to do something here. <laughs> you're going to have to show up and give some money because we don't have that. And we want to be obedient to you. And he did. But we weren't praying for money for us. We were praying for money so we could do what he called us to do. Right? Think about even ministry. There have been times, uh, like when I was going into college, I had really desired to be part of this one ministry group that toured around to different places and did music and blah, 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 blah. And I just, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And God, please do this. Please let me in here. I want to do ministry for you, God. I, it's, it's for you. I want to do it for you. Let me in this group. But he knew. He knew my heart. I just wanted to be in. I just wanted to be on the stage. I just wanted to get the, to, to, to get the applause. Fifteen years later, God calls us into church planting we're like, are you sure? <laughs> and when he said yes, it's like, all right, God, anywhere you want us to go. Whatever you want to do. There comes a difference, right? Where we're praying for us versus we're praying for him. And we've all been on both sides of that. Right? And I can tell you from my experience, on the selfish side, that never goes well. <laughs> He doesn't answer. I usually end up more frustrated and upset and disappointed than I was even before I started praying. But on the sacrificial side, we have seen God do some of the most amazing things ever in our lives when we started praying like that. Harvest, we believe firmly in the power of prayer. We say that all the time. It's one of our pillars. But it means that we have to pray like that. Sacrificial, God first, whatever you want, I'm on your team, God, type of prayers. That's what he's looking for. God loves prayers and prayers seek him first and the result second. God rewards prayers that are reliant on him. You want to pray prayers that God loves? You want to pray prayers that God answers and favors? Make it about him. Make the prayer and the focus about him and his mission and his kingdom and his way, not your way. That's when God shows up. Pray to build a relationship, not a reputation. That's where we started, right? Pray to build a relationship with God Almighty, not a reputation for yourself. Prayer isn't about impressing people. Prayer isn't about making God do what you want. Prayer isn't about some religious ritual. It isn't about informing God what he needs to do for your life. Prayer isn't about me at all. True, sincere, heart-level prayer is about connecting with God the Father. It's about growing in our relationship with Him and His ways, His will. 
Prayers like that, prayers that are focused vertically rather than horizontally, are prayers that God loves to answer. Those prayers will not only change your life, they'll change the whole world if we're willing to pray them. Harvest, I want us to be a church that prays like that so that our God would be glorified. We would see him do amazing things for his great name in this place. Why don't you stand with me? I'm gonna pray over us and then we're gonna sing a song of response. Just telling God that this is what we want. This is our desire, that we're connecting with him at the heart level. Not just through words. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you God so much for our time here today. God, you are an awesome God. Lord, you do so much for us, things that we see, things that we don't see. Father, your perfect sovereign will is so much better and higher than anything we could ever come up with. And so often we forget this, or we forget how awesome you are and how privileged we are to, call, to be called your children, to get to talk with you anytime we want. God, teach us right now through the power of your spirit, Lord, teach us how to consistently and fervently pray from our hearts, not just our heads. Help us to pray prayers that are vertically focused focused on you, not on us. Lord, work in our hearts right now to make us pursuers of your heart. Lord, we want you. We're chasing after you. We are your people. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son. We pray this in his glorious name. We're gonna do a new song right now. I know you don't know it yet, but you'll pick it up quick. It's a great song that just talks about us chasing after the heart of God and all that we are. Let's sing this together.